Welcome to This Week at TMS. I'm your host, Ben Dieter. This week, Miami's Associated Student Government, the Diversity Affairs Council, and the Miami Student hosted the Voices of Love and Honor Inclusion Forum, how student leaders' expectations before the event squared with what actually happened. It's Friday, September 20th. Brandon Small, can you tell our listeners what the Inclusion Forum is exactly? So the Inclusion Forum, this will actually be the second Inclusion Forum that Miami has hosted, the first of which was done last year, and it was put together by my predecessor, the lovely Courtney Rose. Shout out. Brandon Small is the Secretary for Diversity and Inclusion in Miami's Associated Student Government. But the Inclusion Forum is essentially an event that aims to bring together all the different perspectives that we have at Miami. It's a chance to have critical conversations about our campus climate. I think it's really impactful because um, in terms of those conversations, these are things that we don't really talk about typically every day. And so to have it on this platform where there's so many different organizations and administrators and student leaders there, it's just a really cool opportunity to get everyone on the same page in terms of what initiatives the university and student leaders should be uh, looking toward um, in terms of diversity and inclusion. Uh, I'll ask about the conversations in a little bit, but first I want to like kind of backtrack even a little bit. How exactly did we get to a point where people felt like we really needed to have an event like this on campus? From my understanding, the Inclusion Forum last year was largely in response to the racially insensitive incidents that sparked the BAM 2.0 movement. I know that was a really big catalyst for everything that happened, um, and that happened two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. But the Inclusion Forum that happened last year was largely in in response to the demands that BAM sent to administration, and it was sort of meant to be an update, in part, an update on those demands and which ones had and hadn't been met yet. And then also, just in terms of diversity and inclusion, again, this sort of the same idea, just bringing together different communities to have these conversations, because the racism and the bias and the prejudice doesn't just, you know, affect one community, and it doesn't even just affect um, underrepresented students. It, it it creates a poor campus culture for everybody, and that's why it's a really big issue, um, and that's why I really, really um, admire Courtney Rose for putting this together, and that's why I want to continue it in the future. Right. So then going back to that first inclusion forum last year, what do you remember being really significant about it, and in particular the the conversations that happened there and maybe arose from it? What What was the content like? That was one of my first real events through ASD that I was a part of. So I attended that through the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. And basically what I was supposed to do was just sort of think about the things that were talked about. And one of the things that stuck out to me was through the guest panel, there were a lot of instances in which people just didn't really have answers. And that's sort of what really interested me in terms of my initiatives through ASG was sort of looking into the answers that administrators don't really have. I think another thing that stuck out, again, was just the updates on BAM and how not too much had happened with with the demands, which I think are largely considered to be, for the most part, feasible and doable. And so really just getting information on, you know, these really serious things that happen on campus. Um, And I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, there there were other events that happened before the Inclusion Forum that sparked some controversy. Um, I can't remember exactly what happened. It was a long time ago. 
but yeah, just getting everyone together on the same page and having these conversations. Yeah. Gotcha. And so you talked a little bit about how administrators and people who were up on the stage, I think there were several student leaders up there too, like even from mm-hmm. the Greek community as well. A lot of those people didn't have answers. What kind of lesson did, you know, ASG and DAC, what did y'all take from from that in planning this year's form and to maybe change that? My philosophy is that it's okay if you don't have an answer, but if you don't have an answer, you should be go you should go and look for one, right? And I think that that's one of the things I want to stress tonight is that um, it's okay for people to not have answers right now, but it's not okay for you to not have answers in a year. I think that after the inclusion forum, people really need to continue the conversations that we have um, and work on the things that you know we identify to be problem areas because I think that we owe that to our student body. Yeah, and I think on the on the conversations now themselves, what like area are you hoping to hear? more about with the the questions that moderators will pose to administrators and such tonight? The only thing that I'm looking for tonight is honesty. That's the only thing that I want, and I think that's really the only thing the student body wants is honesty. I picked the seven administrators on the panel because they all represent different areas of student life, and I don't know the extent of what the questions will be, but from what I can assume, I think that they're will be questions that people don't have the answers to. And I've, you know, I've talked with them and I've, I've said if, if they don't have a, an answer to a question, ask them another one, you know? Like I said, it's okay to not have an answer, but I just would, I, I think that the student body deserves to have honesty at this point. Okay. And then to, to kind of talk about the, the impact of the, uh, like on the rest of the university, uh, I was talking with some colleagues at the student and we, we all kind of, agreed a little bit that the forum last year especially made waves in the multicultural group community, in student government, in student media. But beyond that, we couldn't really recall a whole lot of other conversation necessarily. Mm-hmm. So then what is the the challenge from your perspective as someone who's planning this event to ensure that there are conversations had things talked about that will have a broader impact on the rest of the university. Yeah, and that was actually my biggest fear for the forum was that it would just, you know, sort of peter out after tonight. And obviously, you know, the three organizations that sponsored the event are going to continue these conversations. But I think what what really would make an impact is for just the students who come to continue these conversations. And that's something that I'll explicitly mentioned tonight is that I want these conversations to continue. This shouldn't be the last time we talk about this. Also, I want, in terms of like tangible things that I would want to do, I want to work with my committee. So I just received my committee assignments for ASG. So there's 10 people on the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Working with them in particular, maybe doing tabling in Armstrong. I know that ASG already does constituent outreach. That's something we can integrate into that. So not just members of my committee, but all members of ASG are continuing these conversations with students. Like, oh, do you remember what was talked about at the inclusion forum last month? What do you want to see done with that? Have you heard anything about that? Like, what would you, what would be the way that you go about that? Because I think especially in terms of ASG, we sort of are, we oftentimes are, we place ourselves in a bubble and we think that our leadership style and our perception of the university is the way that we need to go. But there's thousands and thousands of students that we aren't talking to that have different ideas than we do. And so I think that it's really important for this inclusion forum to be 
where all of these ideas are really amplified for the first time this year. But I think that this is just the start, right? These conversations have to continue on in everything that we do for the rest of the year. Brandon Small, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Yeah. We'll be right back. So, Bria Lumpkins, what exactly was your role with Tim Carlin at the Inclusion Forum? So, Tim and I moderated the panel. Um, He and I um, made questions together to ask the panelists based on, like, their specific positions and what they do at the university. Okay. And then going in, what were some of the goals that you had hoped to accomplish, I guess, you guys and then also the other groups that were helping to plan the panel? What did you hope to accomplish with your questions? I think one of the things that we really wanted to accomplish was, one, um, getting answers to real questions that we felt needed to be answered for the diverse population on campus, and also um, holding those in power accountable for what they're doing and asking them like what they're going to do to fix the different things that are happening on campus. Listening back to the recording, I noticed that a lot of the questions were relatively pointed, and it was all it was always framed around something like, what is X office or X organization doing to address intolerance, diversity, these related issues? Why did you think it was important to ask the questions in that kind of a pointed way? We didn't want to beat around the bush or um, to go around what we really wanted because we wanted those answers. We wanted people to have those answers. And I think not being, I don't want to say pointed, but not being direct about it. We didn't want them to be able to stray away or to go into like a PR kind of thing, just giving us a basic answer, like we wanted a real answer. So then with that goal in mind, how do you think it went overall? What was was the goal broadly accomplished, do you think? I think a few gave um, okay answers, but just, an, I'm only talking for me personally, I can't speak for Tim, but for me, I wasn't too thrilled about some of the answers. I was a little disappointed. I had hoped that they would kind of stray away from the typical thing that we always hear and kind of be real about the situations, be real about like what's going on on campus. But I would say it was a little disappointing. Yeah. Who were some of the ones that gave relatively good answers from what you remember? I think Dan Darko, he gave some really, really good answers. It was also really informative to me just um, to hear more about like what he does on campus and um, how he really wants to help those um, disabled students on campus. I thought he gave um, relatively good answers. I also thought some of Dean Moore's, um, especially towards the end with audience questioning, I thought that she gave um, some pretty good answers to their questions. I want to ask specifically about Dr. Ron Scott for Mm -hmm. a hot minute because he's been kind of at the center of this, center of a lot of scrutiny for the past two years just because of his standing in the university and his title especially. What was your impression of how he answered and how he handled the, the forum? The one thing that comes to mind was when Tim asked about one of BAM's demands, and it was to have um, a diverse faculty, student, and staff that reflected the national population. And one of the main things he said was that we're never going to meet quotas. We're never going to meet these numbers. We have never going to have quotas. Let me be straight up with that. Because um, we're not going to the Supreme Court. We can't win that case. So that's, that's the first thing. The other is, in spite of what you may think about the increasing numbers of students that we talk about, that's an intentional step to diversify this campus to bring more students of color here. And I can't 
exactly remember the exact numbers he gave, but it was something like, if the university is at 25% and the national is at 15, why would we go backwards? And it, it was just things like that. It seemed a little pessimistic or um, I don't want to say defeatist, just something in that way. It didn't seem, um, it kind of seemed like he gave excuses almost like as to why we couldn't reach that goal or like why it wasn't realistic instead of answering on how we could meet that goal, how what we could do together to make that possible at Miami. And Michelle Sparks was also on the panel. I'd like to pivot to her kind of, y'all, you, you asked her a very pointed question about what the marketing department can do to combat the impression that Miami is a school for rich white kids that got some snickers in the in the audience and I thought that was a good question what was her answer like for you was it satisfactory well and one of the things I try to be super intentional about is accurately representing who we are as an institution so um, for me I was a little confused by her answer she said that um, there's like a line between being aspirational and um um, being authentic versus being aspirational. And that is a very fine line. There's a point authentic. Authentic. And um, she said that they try to drive towards being more authentic than aspirational. But then we go back to the video for now on that was just released. And it displayed a picture of campus that I don't think was really authentic and real, which really depicts um, what Miami is like. So I was a little confused as to, like, the switch almost but yeah were there any questions about the video like from the audience at all or on the panel um not I, not from the audience or we didn't ask any on the panel we i think we decided to try to wait because the editorial was on that that week so we left that alone gotcha at the end of the forum there was a student who came up and talked about her personal experience mm-hmm. with harassment mm-hmm. it's something as a culture that is I found this a pretty interesting little microcosm of this entire debate because I think it's really telling for the rest of the debate. She came up and talked about her personal experience with harassment, said that she felt that the university wasn't really doing a lot to address what she was dealing with. And she was met, I think, with what I'd call a difficult answer from Dean Moore. We don't know who those people are. And so if we don't have individuals to hold accountable, we can't do that. Dean Moore essentially said that there's not a lot that can be done unless there's a specific person to hold to account. Mm-hmm. And that it's about changing an entire campus culture, about, you know, just treating each other better and that kind of thing. Um, and that really reminded me of a lot of the conversation that that's just happened over the past two years. That's kind of been the stock answer. It's like, what can you do about this? And then the university says, not much, unless we have a specific person or if an attack is specifically directed. Another thing about that video in particular kind of hit home for me, because last semester I was in that position. I don't know if you remember, I wrote an editorial about it where I came home and there was a racial slur posted on a whiteboard in my dorm. So having that situation happen and then the result where the person, whoever did it, we're still not sure, um, nothing was really done in that aspect. Um, I understand that they're trying to do the best that they can and um, trying to handle the situations the right way, but 
it gets to a point like what can we do like will the situation ever be solved will there ever be justice for us or is there something that we just have to keep going through like as a black woman on campus um it would make me feel better if I knew that many of the things happening to me wouldn't go without justice if that makes any sense that people other students would be held accountable for their actions but I do agree that there's a culture on campus as well that needs to be addressed not I'm not necessarily sure how we go about that or how we change it but I think it does have a lot to do with the culture on campus and just this perception the last thing I'll ask you Mm kind of concerns how many people this will touch and what this means for the university broadly. I ta- I was talking earlier with, uh, with our editor-in-chief, Samantha Brunn, and she talked about by the end of the forum, uh, for clarity, I was not there mm-hmm. myself. She told me, she said that by the end of the forum, like during kind of the panel discussion part, there were maybe 30 people present. And this campus on the whole has a student population of almost 20,000. And last year's forum, I remember I reported on it, mm-hmm. and it made some waves around student government and student media and around the multicultural organizations. But beyond that, I don't really recall a whole lot of discussion or fallout or consequences of the forum. So with the kind of attendance that this year's forum had, what do you think will happen now? Is it doomed for the, the same kind of fate? I mean, me being optimistic, I hope not, but I think that many of these different organizations on campus and those who are present, um, we all really now just need to work together to try to change the future. Um, I think there needs to be more discussion. Like what you said there, once we were done, there weren't that many people in the audience. Like people, There was a lot at the beginning, then people started to tread out, but... Um, I'm not exactly sure how we would go about it, but there needs to be there needs to be a discussion. There needs to be us working together to try to change this because without it, it's going to stay the same and nothing really is going to happen after that. Real Lumpkins, thanks so much for, Thank you for joining me. me. This Week at TMS is produced and edited by me with supervising production from our managing editor, Kaylee Doyle. Special thanks to Miami's Media, Journalism, and Film Department. Our theme music is composed by Sam Terribolini. That's all for this week at TMS. Tune in to the Miami Student on SoundCloud next Friday for a new episode. I'm Ben Dieter. See you next week. Love and honor.